Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Hello, dear family. How are you doing? I always ask you that, and I cannot hear your answer. And some of you would say, I'm doing just fine, thank you. And others would say, are you kidding? What kind of a question is that? (laughs) But again, we're fine in him, not in the circumstance. Circumstances are, are, I don't want to say as awful as they can get, because I think they're going to get a bit worse. And I think... Uh, no matter what we see, no matter what we think, no matter the injustices being committed uh, within and without the church, I think this is straight from God, and he's waiting for us to be holy in the midst of this, because through our baptism we are holy, we are consecrated, we are set apart to, uh, to him, we are his disciples that are followers, learners, and um, it is up to us to live our faith. And I've been talking about and urging you to listen to the talks at RomeLifeForum.com. They were a, a live-streamed conference, May 20th, 22nd, and magnificent speakers. And I would encourage you, I would want to encourage you to listen to all of them, two speakers a day, and then um, a Q&A uh, from those two speakers in a third session each day. So it's, it's truly wonderful. And everyone, the theme has been Fatima and the coronavirus. And it began with Cardinal Burke, who um, gave a most outstanding and clear talk. Cardinal Burke is always very clear and always right on. Top canon lawyer, a holy man of God. And I would urge you to listen to his talk, but to all talks. Um, the history of, of uh, um, this whole situation of the culture. But um, uh, I mentioned yesterday that the talk that um, I think is, is going to help us enormously is that talk from Father Linus Clovis, C-L-O-V-I-S. Uh, Father Clovis is um, uh, just... Magnificent. I want to look up his bio during the first break so I could not mess that up. We met him in in Rome, uh, and um, I don't know if I met him in Ireland as well, but um, uh, we've asked him to be on our board, and he said yes, and I'm thrilled. Um, he's a holy, wonderful man of God, and of all the talks, there's not one better than the other, but Father Lioness has given us kind of um, and not just marching orders, but holy orders, how to live out our faith. And I, I want, I printed out his talk. I want to read it to you. If we take questions at the half hour mark, then I won't be able to finish it today, but then we'll finish it tomorrow. It's very, very helpful, uh, especially at the end. And so his uh, title is Reforming Our Lives According to Our Lady's Call at Fatima. Reforming Our Lives According to Our Lady's Call at Fatima. And Father just 
he doesn't simply tell us what Our Lady has said. He's told us how to uh, truly reform our lives, how to live according to that. And you know that I'm, I'm a practical person, and I like to say how. We know what to do. Tell us how. Walk with us. I believe Father Clovis does that. And so, um, uh, it, the, um, it was given May 22nd, uh, on the online Rome, online Rome Life Forum, the theme cor- coronavirus in the light of Fatima, a tragedy and a source of hope. Now, you're going to say, why a source of hope? And Father Linus is going to tell us in his talk. It begins, the Wuhan virus has brought the world to a screeching halt as lockdowns and curfews are used as means of controlling and checking the pandemic. The opinions and authoritative declarations of experts and analysis and analysts, rather, the information and misinformation of numerous news outlets and the rumors, exaggerations and suspicions voiced on social media have each contributed to creating an atmosphere of fear bordering on panic and hysteria. This fear is experienced worldwide, so much so that Diverse populations have readily submitted to limitations of freedom. Do you hear that? That's not out of obedience. That's out of fear, which half a year ago were totally unimaginable and let alone, let alone conceivable. You see, whole populations, including ours, have submitted um, out of fear. To limitations of freedom out of fear. Limitations which would have been unimaginable, uh, Father Linus says, uh, half a year ago. I, I, even two months ago. It's amazing. It's amazing. And he says these include <clears throat> limitations of fear. These include the declaration of states of emergency, the secession of international travel, and the closure of schools, of colleges, of factories, and of stores selling non-essential supplies. Further, the practices such as social distancing, enforced wearing of masks, limited internal or zonal travel, and prohibition of social visits or of visits to homes for the elderly have also been employed. These very real fear Tactic. Did you, you hear that? This very real fear tactic, as fanned by the media, was consolidated by the closure of the temples of recreation, temples, you see that? Temples, that's what we've made of them, of recreation, sports facilities, theaters, and restaurants. These are temples, he says, of recreation. Um, To persons of faith, it was most surprising that the public exercise of religion was classed as a non-essential activity. Now, I'm just going to break in to say this has been so, um, what's the word, extraordinary to me, so astounding to me. Um, I saw a a video yesterday on, um, oh, I don't don't recall... um, the medium it could have been live site news i don't recall the um, the um, the media but 
it showed where, where churches in some states have allowed up to 25% of capacity. Uh, just a couple of blocks down the street was a Muslim mosque, and the, it packed. Cars piling in there, the place was packed. I guess they're essential, and Catholic churches are not, or Protestant churches are not. That's insane. That's insane. The police are coming and arresting people in Protestant churches if they find, in, in Catholic churches, in churches all over the world, if they find too many people. And here is a mosque absolutely packed uh, completely. Um, so let me see now. To persons of faith, it was most surprising that the public exercise of religion was classed as a non-essential activity, as decrees outlawing the congregation, the congregating of believers were rapidly followed by the total lockdown of their places of worship. For Catholics, whose supernatural instinct would have inclined them to appeal to divine mercy, a great wall was erected in their face as the church hierarchy succumbed without demur to governmental pronouncements that placed all churches under quarantine. Even more disturbing was the speed with which a caucus of Episcopal voices were raised to contradict the faithful's, the census fidea, the sense of the faithful, that the pandemic was very likely a divine chastisement. The clergy went against that. The epitome of this absurdity, uh, Father Linus says, was realized by the declaration backed by and packed with pontifical authority that the pandemic was merely Mother Earth throwing a sissy fit for the decades of terrestrial abuse she had endured from her greedy human children. In her 2,000-year history, the Church has faced many such epidemics and pandemics and responded with penitential practices, which were readily and widely implemented while piteous appeals were sent up to heaven through the hands of her uh, to whom, her, meaning our Blessed Mother, to whom never was it known that anyone who fled to her protection, implored her help, or sought her intercession, were left unaided. The faithful readily embraced the processions, pilgrimages, vigils, and above all, reform of life, both personal and public. This is in past pandemics. There have been, however, sober analysis of the Wuhan pandemic, from these analysis comes an appeal recently issued by a group of bishops, cardinals, and both Catholic and non-Catholic intellectuals warning that the pandemic may provide the opportunity for governments to restrict civil and human rights permanently. Oh, that break came too soon, beloved. Um, we'll be right back after the break. And we'll continue with Father Linus' talk. And at the second break, at the half-hour mark, we will begin to take your calls, your texts, and your emails toll-free. Call in 1-877-511-5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have been reading, um, uh, we're at the beginning of a talk by Father Linus Clovis um, on the pandemic, and it's uh, one of the talks given at the Rome Life Forum, and it's uh, the coronavirus and the message of Fatima, the absolutely outstanding. And just prior to the break, we said there have been, however, I'm reading Father Clovis, there have been, however, sober analyses of the Wuhan, the Wuhan pandemic. From these analyses comes an appeal recently issued by a group of bishops, cardinals, and both Catholic and non-Catholic intellectuals warning that the pandemic may provide the opportunity for governments to restrict civil and human rights permanently. Quote, we have reason to believe on the basis of official data on the incidence of the epidemic as related to the number of deaths, that there are powers interested in creating panic among the world's population with the sole aim of permanently imposing unacceptable forms of restriction on freedoms, of controlling people and of tracking their movements. The imposition of these liberal, illiberal measures is a disturbing prelude to the realization of a world government 
beyond all control, end quote. This warning, Father uh, Linus goes on to say, this warning certainly exposes the plans of an elite group who refuses to accept the Fatima message and whose drama continues and appears to be entering its final chapter. Under the subtitle, Masking the Message of Fatima, Father uh, Linus Clovis continues, Despite the wide veneration of Our Lady of Fatima throughout the Catholic world, very few people have fully grasped the message that the Blessed Virgin addressed to the world. Many consider Our Lady's message to be merely a call to conversion, to penance, and simply a message of hope. The reason for this resides in the fact that the message has not been greatly publicized and where it has been propagated, um, only a portion of it has been preached or explained. I'm going to tell you, Father Clovis's message here is, um, is so important and so vital. Thus, for example, one world, one would expect a flyer published at the sanctuary in Fatima to contain the pith of the message. However, one f- such flyer from the sanctuary states that, quote, the message of Fatima pleads with sinners to stop offending God, to seek pardon for their sins, and to amend their lives, as did the prodigal son of the gospel. It asks the just to pray much and to make sacrifices for sinners so that they may not suffer eternal damnation in hell. All are asked by Our Lady to recite her rosary every day, to have devotion to her Immaculate Heart, and to receive Holy Communion in reparation to her Immaculate Heart on the first Saturday of the month. And she said, if people do not do these things, Russia will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions against the Church. Many will be martyred, the Holy Father will suffer greatly, and several nations will be annihilated. Our Blessed Mother's own words assure us of peace and happiness for the entire world if people do what she requested of them when she appeared at Fatima in 1917. And Father Clovis says, while all of the above is true, the flyer is nonetheless deceptive because it omits mentioning the great prophecy of how God will bring about the conversion of Russia and restore peace to the world, much more to outline the means by which this peace, as revealed by Our Lady during the July 13, 1917 apparition, as part of the third secret, will be accomplished. And then Father states the nucleus of the Fatima message. He says, The essence of the Fatima message is found in the secret, which Our Lady confided to the children in three parts. On July 13, 1917, she said, quote, You saw hell where the souls of poor sinners go. In order to save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If people do what I ask, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end, end quote. 
And Father Clovis says, after warning of the consequences of ignoring her message, Our Lady promised to return to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If people attend, this is quoting Our Lady, if people attend to my request, Russia will be converted and the world will have peace. End quote. In addition to her mandate, the Blessed Virgin also said that, quote, in Portugal, the dogmas of the faith will always be kept. And then, um, end quote, Father says at this point, the third part of the secret, commonly called the third secret, begins. On December 10th, 1925, Our Lady appeared with the child Jesus to Lucia and requested the communion of reparation on the first Saturday's saying. And of course, the third secret is not spelled out here. Quote, announce this is Our Lady of Fatima to Lucia. Lady of Fatima with the child Jesus to Lucia. Quote, announce in my name that I promise to assist at the moment of death, with all the graces necessary for salvation, all those who on the first Saturday of five consecutive months shall confess, receive Holy Communion, and recite excuse me, five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on, on the 15 mysteries of the rosary. Excuse me with the intent of making reparation to me. I'm going to take a 30-second break. I'll be right back. Welcome back, beloved. <clears throat> I need to, needed to take a bit of sugar for these hiccups. It's a miraculous cure. <coughs> Father Clovis continues. Four years later, on the 13th of June, 1929, Our Lady appeared to Sister Lucia at Tai, that's T, spelled T-U-Y, Spain, along with a vision of the Most Holy Trinity, she told Lucia, quote, The moment has come in which God asks of the Holy Father to make and to order in that union with him, and at the same time, all the bishops of the world make the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, end quote, promising to convert Russia as a result of this act. Two years later, in August 1931, our Lord himself appeared to Lucia with a warning to the church's hierarchy regarding their failure to perform the consecration of Russia, which he himself had commanded through the Blessed Virgin Mary in 1929. Quote, Make it known to my ministers, given that they follow the example of the King of France, in delaying the execution of my command, they will follow him to misfortune. 
End quote. Father Linus continues, Our Lord here was referring to the execution of Louis XVI by soldiers of the French Revolution following the century-long failure of the French kings to heed his request for the consecration of France to his sacred heart. Thus our Lord warns the hierarchy that they would suffer a similar fate as that of the French king. The fate was captured in the vision that was published in L'Observatore Romano in 2000. Although the explanatory words of the Virgin were lacking, the vision was that of a bishop in white, other bishops, priests, religious, and lay people being executed outside a devastated city. Consequences of disregarding the Fatima message is this, says Father Clovis. In the July apparition, Our Lady clearly and unequivocally spelt out the consequences of disregarding her mandate. If Russia is not consecrated, quote, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecution of the church, end quote. Now the situation in Russia, at the time of Our Lady's appearance in 1929, the Russian Revolution was over and communism was firmly established. With Stalin in power pursuing a war against religion in Russia, Christmas and Easter were replaced with New Year's Day and May Day, respectively. Sunday was abolished, and a six-day week was operative in what was now officially known as the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Oh, my. Uh, Beloved, it looks like we just went offline. Hold on just a moment. Are we offline? Hello? Okay, thank you. Um, Are we off on the live stream, Paco? Okay. Okay, very good, very good. I know we're on the air. I'm having a conversation with the the engineer there because my screen went off. So sorry, beloved. Um, Okay, Uh, let me see now. So we're talking about the situation in Russia, where Christmas and Easter were replaced with New Year's Day and May Day, respectively. Sunday was abolished, and a six-day week was operative in what was now officially known as the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Only Only state marriages were recognized, and divorce and abortion were legalized. Um... It gets worse, beloved, and uh, tomorrow's uh, reading is going to show us how much worse it got and going to begin with the cure. We have a cure, and Father Clovis has laid it out perfectly, and it has to do with Our Lady of Fatima being believed and lived. All right, beloved, call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511. 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back.
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Hi, this is Terry Barber from The Terry and Jesse Show. Every week we bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. Be sure to tune in each week at 2 p.m. Eastern. We love it when you join the conversation at 888-526-2151. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour to ourselves. Sorry for that little uh, technical uh, difficulty earlier, but we're back, and um, we're so happy to be with you. And our phone lines are wide open, so call in with anything on your heart, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from Sarah, and she says, "Hi, Mother Miriam." Just writing to correct some outdated information on your program. I have heard you say recently, um, A, she says, in connection to the precepts of the church, that one must obey the laws of the church on marriage, including not marrying a non-Catholic, and B, on on a pre-recorded show, on May 25th of this year, in response to someone's email that there might be an exception for a Jewish spouse, but they would have to agree to raise the children Catholic. And I, I forget again, I, I, I could look, you could look it up as well. Um, um, it's a, uh, it's on my tongue. I can't even think of it right now. Um, it's all right. But, um, uh, and she said, and she says that, uh, let's see now, um, Sarah says, that that is no longer the case. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she says, I am married to a non-Catholic, not 
a Jew, um, and obtained a dispensation through the authority of the bishop. Now, that's good. That's proper. My now husband did not have to promise to raise the children Catholic. And you were married in a Catholic church with the bishop's approval? My now husband did not have to promise to raise the children Catholic. Rather, I had to promise in front of him to do all in my power to raise any children Catholic. And then she refers us to a couple of sites on Catholic.com, to whom I always refer people because they are so uh, on top of everything. Uh, One is, uh, what are the requirements for marrying a non-Catholic Christian? And non-Catholic Christian, that's just not a non-Catholic, it's a non-Catholic Christian. That means you're marrying someone who is baptized. Um, And then, may Catholics ever marry non-Christians? So, there you go. Uh, I'd have to look those up to uh, double-check what they say. Um, You said that your husband is a non-Catholic. You didn't say whether or not he was a Christian. Um, And Sarah says, whether the church's relaxation of the rules is right, in quotes, from the perspective of giving children the best chance uh, at the Catholic faith is, of course, another matter and one that occupies my mind and prayers a lot. If the Catholic Church is right, then it is the teaching of the Church. The Church doesn't teach its opinions. If the Catholic Church is right, then that is the law of the Church. Um, In the cases where the Catholic Church may state the law of God and then say the law of God uh, allows for this deviation, but we strongly suggest that's a different situation. And you may mean that. It's not clear in your email. But I'm looking at the scriptures, which are uh, the the catechism of the Catholic Church is not infallible. Uh, it teaches the truths of the faith. But as we've seen in recent times, even with Pope Francis, um, sometimes people meddle with the truth and think they have the power to change it. Um, the Bible is infallible. The Word of God is by God through His people and cannot be changed. And Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes this when he's speaking of the temple of the living God, which is us. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are temples of God. And Apostle, Paul's write this, Apostle Paul writes this, do not be mismated, um, married with, uh, matched with, uh, joined to, different translations. They all mean the same thing. Do not be mismated with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and iniquity? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Um Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch nothing unclean. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." We must not be joined with unbelievers. That is 
that is the word of God. Now, if someone is a baptized Christian, then they are not uh, of Belial. They're not of Satan. Uh, if they're a baptized Christian, however, it's extremely unadvisable for a Catholic and a baptized um, uh, a non-Catholic to be married. Why? Because you're going to have tremendous problems in your marriage, in most cases. Um, and for, um, for you to agree to do everything in your power to raise your children Catholic puts you in a compromising situation. Um, let's see now. Uh, what did you say here? Um, obtain a dispensation. Um, my now husband uh, did not have to promise to raise the children Catholic. I had to promise in front of him to do all in my power to raise my children Catholic. Well, if he truly didn't object to that, it should have been said. It should have been vowed. And if he really is going to be the man that should lead you to heaven and your children, and he had no objection to the Catholic faith, he should have become Catholic before you married. Um, and if not, beloved, you are in for trouble. I'm letting you know that. For you to do everything in your power uh, to raise your children Catholic, um, and you made that vow in front of your, your husband, your husband at that point becoming your husband, um, the war has already begun in that statement. The war has already begun. I cannot tell you how many women I've heard from that says he promised to let me raise the children Catholic, but he won't because he's against it, because he's not about... Uh, to do everything in your power, well, now it's up to your power and not up to God's law because he may come against your power. He may not eventually agree with the moral laws of contraception. No contraception. He may not agree with that down the road. You're going to have a very difficult time. You may disagree with me, but um, we're going against God's law if we marry an unbeliever. We may get a certain dispensation for that, but it is, I, I don't know what that dispensation would involve to make it legal. Um, the church, under her bishops and others, priests, have been giving so-called dispensations that are, are against God, just as the current dispensation from uh, the obligation for Sunday Mass. Cardinal Burke made it clear that no bishop... No priest, no individual has any power to to make that dif- to lift the uh, obligation for Sunday Mass. If someone can't get to Mass for any reason, the churches are closed, they're sick, any reason, well, then they confess that, and uh, that's understood. But the, but the obligation is not lifted. They have to uh, explain why they were not able to meet that obligation. Because that's divine law, and no human law can override divine law. And again, in this case too, um, uh, a believer should not be married to an unbeliever. And again, if you get the dispensation because you're marrying a baptized non-Catholic, um, uh, and and he is not 
does not have to agree to raise the children Catholic, you are already really, I would say, forfeiting the vocation uh, you are making vows under because your vocation is to raise your children Catholic. And if you put them under a father who is not Catholic, you are giving them an awful start. You are giving your marriage an awful, if not impossible, start. I know many people will come against me, but um, uh, you say that, um, uh, let's see now, you you need to update it, uh, some outdated information on your program. I want to tell you the truths of Scripture are not outdated. They never can be. Um, The truths of the church cannot be outdated. Read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Read the whole book of of First and Second Corinthians. Those were Paul's the first the first church Paul established, and he was on his missionary journey, writing back to them because despite his teaching, all sorts of debauchery had settled in, and that was one of them. Okay, um, uh, we have Jean from Boston, uh, Massachusetts, on the line. Hello, Jean. Hello. Hi, dear one. I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear? okay uh, good. Yes, I, Go. yeah, I can hear you. I'm calling. I'm calling for clarification and, and enlightenment on something I heard about the Pope wanting to change the, um, a few words in the Our Father. I believe it's uh, and lead us not into temptation. Mm-hmm. This is what I heard. So I'm calling you because I know you're quite knowledgeable, and maybe you can enlighten me because I'm very confused about what's going on here. Well, we all are, dear Jean. We all are. Let me um, let me read uh, something official. But you're correct in in what you said. Um, hold on now. Um, is the Our Father changing? Let me just. I, I want to get you a responsible answers. Um, a responsible answer to that. Um, I'm going to read it from Catholic answers here because they are utterly trustworthy and and the um, the email I just had was from Catholic answers, but it was incomplete and i i I cannot know uh, completely what um, Catholic answers had referred to in that point. Um, uh, let's see what i oh it doesn't have the date um it's at the at this point uh the the writer who is father Grodin says as of now there are no changes planned for the our father what pope francis was referring to was not changing the prayer itself but changing how we translate the prayer in certain languages pope francis was speaking of the words just as you said jean lead us not into temptation the holy father was merely pointing out that some people mistakenly think that this means it is God who tempts us to sin. In French, the translation of that line had been changed to let me not fall into temptation. And the Pope was saying that in his opinion, this is a much better translation than the traditional one. How to translate this line from the Our Father has varied, and some have used, quote, do not subject us um, to the final test, or do not bring us to the time of trial. So, um, I know how alarming this is, Jean, but I think 
Father Grodin's, Father Charles Grodin's answer uh, is the correct one. Um, it's not that he's changing the Our Father, but he's changing um, the, tr- the translation to say more accurately what it means. Lead us not into temptation is to say, let me not go there. Uh, let, let me not fall into temptation. Don't bring me into this trial. Save me from it. I think that's correct, as awful as that sounds. Gene, um, there's the music for our second break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Um, We have a call from Tim. Uh, from Beverly, Massachusetts, on the line. Are you there, Tim? I am. Good morning, Muller. Good morning, Tim. Do you, what's your question? You. I have a question. Sure. Uh, my question is, uh, does a priest have the right to refuse me entry to the church? Because uh, when we went to church this past Sunday morning for the first time in two months, 
They were not going to let us in because we did not have a reservation. Oh, can you imagine reservation for church, a reservation for heaven? My goodness. Uh, Tim, uh, at the moment, he has a civil right. He has received orders from his bishop who gave into the government uh, to allow only a certain number of people into church. And he needs to abide by that. Otherwise, they'll come and arrest him and there'll be no mass at all. In my own parish, which is a Latin parish, we have to sign up for the entire week for whatever masses we wish to attend. And so when you have a church attendance down to 10 or 25 people or 25 percent or whatever the figure is in different states, then you if, if the only way to really do it. Uh, I think, uh, in a good way, is to have people sign up, not just to take or refuse people as they come to the door. And this way, um, you you are able to distribute people coming to Mass during the week by, by how they sign up, and you don't have the same people coming in every single day and others not being able to go to Mass. So it's the way it is right now. And the priest has the right because... Um, uh, again, uh, he can go against the government. He can go against his bishop. He he has that right as well. But uh, he has the right to refuse people because that's the law put on him. And if he goes against it, uh, he could be put in jail along with the parishioners. It's okay, I understand that and I accept it. But all I could think about, you know, it was Pentecost Sunday. And all I could think about the rest of the day was the story of Jesus healing people in the house, the blind, the lame, the sick. Everybody was coming to him, and he didn't refuse anybody. The whole town was gathered at the door. And nobody was in a mask. There was no reservations needed. I know it, sweetie. Tim, this is not because of the coronavirus. This is... A political, um, uh, I, I can't even find the words. Uh, this is not to help us to stay safe or healthy. This is to destroy Christianity, to destroy the church. That's what it's about. This is to make us a socialist country and a one-world government. No government has the power over its people. Not our government. Um uh, no, and and we are we're simply giving in. We don't have to, but if our shepherds are giving in, uh, we have little defense. Although we may be the ones that rise up and save the church, but the shepherds have given in, and they've given the government a power that the government doesn't have, and everyone is afraid. It's it's an obedience that is unlawful before God. For our bishops and priests, again, I mentioned earlier from Cardinal Burke to to um, uh, to lift the Sunday obligation is putting themselves above divine law. Um, no bishop or priest has a right to refuse the faithful the sacraments. They have no right. They're doing it. They're taking it, but they have no right. And we're we're in these times. We're in these times, Tim. And we, the, the recourse for us 
is to live truly, truly holy lives. Otherwise, we're going to have the riots uh, such as are going on now as a result of George Floyd. Uh, Anger doesn't solve anything. Holiness does. I agree totally with what you just said. I'm so Uh, glad. Let me just end with this. Um, I did speak to a priest uh, a couple weeks ago because I was starving for the Eucharist. He said, your baptism is what incorporates you into the body of Christ. They can never take that away. Well, that's a true statement because they didn't give it to you. God did. And they can't take away what God gave you. That's my point about the Mass. God gave it, and no one has the right to take it away. That's the point. It's God-given. Okay. It's God-given. So, yes, you're a child of God. You're sealed by your baptism. You, you are a child of his. You will always be. Uh, even if people turn from God and wind up in hell, they're going to have the seal of the baptism on them. They're going to be children of God in hell because they've turned from him. I understand. Um, but um, God has given us not only baptism, baptism is what enables us because we enter into his life. Um, it's what enables us to receive all the other sacraments, which are a continuation of his life in us. And so baptism is not enough. It's enough to get us into heaven if we are prevented from everything else, yes, and we don't turn from God. There's no question, but it's not what God intended. Right. Okay. Thank you so much, Mother. You're welcome, Tim. God bless you, dear. We have an email from Russell who says, Hi, Mother. As you might have heard, there have been plenty of riots concerning racism that are crushing this country to bits on top of COVID-19. Personally, I have nothing but great experiences talking with people of different backgrounds, and I pray for their conversion every day. How can we truly love our brothers and sisters that are of different different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds? It seems as if the only thing we know how to do is fight with fire. Thank you, and God bless. Well, that's... Russell, that is perhaps what's being portrayed, but it's certainly not the only thing we know how to do. Um, There are many people who are in the cities that are being rioted against, and they are trying to stop those riots. They're trying to stop the city from being ruined. They're trying to talk some sense into the rioters. And in fact, one man went out, unfortunately for him, with a machete, because he thought it would scare people away. He was trying to tell them not to riot, but unfortunately he had a machete and they got the machete and beat him up. So um, that's truly unfortunate. What the news has been reporting is that they think a lot of this may be uh, Antifa, that is uh, riotous socialist crowds from outside the cities who are taking advantage of this in order to come. So there's a lot of people coming from entering the cities because they want an excuse to kill and to rob and to loot and to be at war. A lot of them, uh, the police have found that the case. So uh, we need to love. We need to do unto others as we want them to do unto us. Even if we're wronged, it doesn't give us license to wrong someone else. So you're right, and the only way St. Francis de Sales says to love is by loving. We learn to ride a bike by riding. We learn to walk by walking. We learn to love by loving. There's no other way. 
And it is to do unto others as we would have others do unto us. We wouldn't have them beat us and kill us and, and rob us, and we shouldn't do it to them as well. Um, okay. Um, oh, my goodness. There's a question uh, from Ellen. Ellen, dear one, can you listen tomorrow, sweetheart, because uh, I won't have time for your email, and uh, but I will take it first thing. Uh, when we are at the calls tomorrow. First thing, Ellen, halfway through the program tomorrow. Um, and we'll continue with a very important part of Father Linus Clovis's talk. God bless you all. Live your faith as if it's true, as if it matters, as if nothing else matters. We will be able to convert the world only through that, not for looking at ways to get out of it. God bless you.